everyone was looking for Rangers to appoint a more experienced hand after some of the more recent disasters. If there's one man who is on a mission to address the problems at the club while going head to head with the biggest rivals on the other side of the city, no one is better equipped perhaps than Time Rangers stopped being a joke of the club. A lot of other fans in Scottish football refer to this period as the banter years. Well, the aims of the club this season has to be beating Celtic. We've been embarrassed by them at Ibrox, we've been embarrassed by them at Parkhead and Hampton. came to Celtic Park and pretty much we showed them who was boss for 90 minutes. Hello and welcome to the Cynic Podcast. I am your host Christopher Bowds and tonight I'm joined by uh, the housewife's favourite, Louis McCaffrey. I'm here, very happy, very positive for a change. That's what I like to hear. Last few weeks have been, um, been worrying. I've depressed myself, you Chris Bowd, I. Uh, Kieran Harran, a little bit, a little bit jollier than Louis. Although we've not seen you uh, in about four weeks, but uh, four, hands, four but months, more like that was on four weeks ago. So it's always touche. 
Yeah. Yeah. Take that. Facts. <laughs> um, both doing good? Both doing well? Yes. Looking forward to a wee day off tomorrow. Oh, you're right, rub it in. Um, <laughs> Absolute fanny. Uh, no, not bad after the weekend. I'm finally getting my voice back, which is which is good. We had to delay the podcast yesterday because I didn't have a voice. Yep, absolutely shocking. And we can't miss those dulcet tones. That's what you tell all the boys. Oh, well, you know. Um, so, uh, Celtic Rangers, we'll just get right into it. Absolutely scalped them. Phenomenal. I'll say that a few times over the next 90 minutes. Um, what's your takeaway, guys? What's What's... Well, I think going into the game, I was a wee, a wee bit worried just in the sense that there was so much negativity around us and everything that had happened with Dembele leaving and the transfer window being such a failure. And um, we were kind of a bit down, and obviously there was so much hype around them. I I don't think I don't think we many people who'd really watched them totally believed the hype I think the Motherwell game especially we spoke about it last week after watching the Motherwell game I had a lot more confidence going into this because um, I really didn't think they were very good and um, it, it was great to see us really dominate again I mean that despite it obviously only being 1-0 that could have easily have been 5 or 6 I mean, it was it was as dominant as as the games have been in in the past couple of years, um, and a bit bit of a bit of a relief, bit of a relief, and it was good to walk into work on Monday and um, rub it in little guys' faces. <laughs> don't because of the job. I'll, I'll see if I can edit that. <laughs> no, no, leave it. Yeah, uh, I, it was quite good. It was good the fact of. Like you'd hear some of the fans kind of getting ahead of themselves, you know, oh, it's closed, gaps closing now. We're so much better than last year. Granted, they are they are better. They're more organised than last year. Um, defensively, going forward, not quite as much. But it was just that whole they were really, and I, I was happy to stay quiet because I thought, you know what, I'll stay quiet, let them do what they want, and then see come the Sunday. I was quite comfortable with the fact we would win. Um, I didn't think we went we would win as comfortably. I thought as as they were getting the results they were getting a wee bit of momentum we had a lot of negativity then just obviously a couple of days before it, you got the kind of whole uh, Dembele fiasco and the kind of sour taste he left um, so you kind of think you're all kind of wondering when was that going to kind of play in their hands in a, a wee bit um, but that nah, absolutely spanked them and then on Monday then you can just all those Rangers Finders fans can just go back in the re-box out the road after oh, coming no. out and giving it big licks and it's like no, he's still fucking miles behind us the gap is still there clear to be seen so just use get back, back to where you he's go. born and there you go yeah I'd I'd kind of bought in a little bit to, to that not so much to hype oh here we go Calm down, pal. Not so much. I didn't buy into the hype around Rangers. They're shite and we all know it and we've seen it. Um, You've got a framed Stevie G picture, haven't you? I might do. I might do. <laughs> uh, of him slipping. But, uh, no, I mean, okay, they did better in Europe, but that literally there is only one way to go for Rangers in their European escapade so far, and that is up. Um, but the league games I've seen them in have been pish. My worry was Celtic, though. I mean, the last few weeks, yeah. our performances haven't been great. So that was playing in my mind. And then, as you say, with the transfer window being a little bit of a cloud over the club, um, it's just fantastic to go and show them who was boss, as yeah. Scott Brown put it, absolutely fantastically. I think they, I think they have improved, in a sense, of 
as Kieran says and, and you said that they are more organised. But I think it's pretty clear that I, I don't I don't think they've they, they've got the players that are technically as good as Celtic. Um, they don't have the likes of a Cal McGregor or a Eduard or um, you know even Tierney. You know they don't have these level of players players that can accept the ball in tight areas and keep the ball moving and do all that sort of thing. But they are well organised and they're they're kind of they're players who mostly kind of give their all for the for the cause, which will get you so far. But it it's not going to take you to ultimately where all their fans want them to be, and that's winning the league and beating Celtic. Because as we saw, the gap there is a gap, and it's a it's a massive gap in quality, and it's a, a quality of not just the collective but the individual as well. And that's not it, it's it's easy enough to get somebody to come in like they have with Stephen Gerrard. I mean, Stephen Gerrard's not even got much experience, so it's not as if it really takes that much. If you know how to organise a team and they believe in you and, and your instructions, you can set them out. And, and, and set your stall out and frustrate teams they can do that but there's no way that they're going to play the type of football that we're capable of and be able to win a league over 38 games I, I just can't see it happening It's also a lot easier for them to improve if Gerard was they were that poor last year I mean could you really get any worse than what they were last year? No, no. So it, it was going to be a little bit easier for him to improve but they're just not improving to the levels of like their fans want where they're going to compete um, against us. I mean, they've not really won any any league. In fact, they've only won one league game, haven't they? Yeah, one, one, it, one win out of four. Uh, and it wasn't convincing. So they're not they're not convincing in Europe. They're not coming up, up against. They're not really had a tough. Well, Maribor was maybe I assume was going to be a tough test. However, they kind of came through that quite well. But they're not they're not high scoring. They're not scoring. I mean. First couple of rounds were winning by like one nil, two nil. So, I think that I think they just to me they looked like an average SPA, SPL team. Like really, that's what they looked like. They looked like uh, anybody else that comes to Parkhead in the league and, and camps behind the ball and tries to make it difficult for us. They're just an average SPL team, and that was the thing that was frustrating me at first. Was that I just felt that we were a bit too standoffish and I, I wanted us to, to up it a wee bit. Usually when other teams come to Parkhead and play that way, we have them way pinned back so we're almost all... The, our defensive line is at the halfway line and we push them right back. And I felt as if we were giving them far too much respect and sitting in our centre half surpassing it. There's no pressure on us. I was no, going to say because Lafayette and Morelos weren't pressuring yeah, them. But the, I, the whole team, they really didn't press us until we were in their final third. And then they started to do something. So I felt as if we were a bit too standoffish. If we'd upped the tempo, I think uh, for me, probably the best football I think we've played was the, the first half against Athens at home. And it, the way we and we used to do it, we'd, we'd done it in, in flashes before. Um, was the straight ball from you know from Scott Brown getting it between the two centre halves, the straight pass to McGregor, um, a bit further up the pitch, between maybe between their two midfielders, he takes it on the turn and drives forward, or Rogic takes it on the turn, and drives forward, and those those kind of balls and j- just you know. Kind of 
straight up, straight up the middle of the pitch, but you're splitting the lines right away. And I felt if we had done that, we would have carved them open a lot quicker than because we were quite monotonous, but we were too far back at first. Not an element, no Rangers really did concentrate in the centre of midfield. Day. I mean, yeah. they weren't doing anything. The wings, it was just yeah. I mean, the thing was when we. We weren't really going to get much joy out of the wings in the early stages because they they basically had they had two men on Forest any time we got the ball. I mean, Kyle Lafferty was coming back and, and doubling up on on Forest, and they were trying their best with Tierney, but Tierney just destroyed that Ryan Kent boy, whoever he is. I mean, he didn't have a look in. Um, so it just seemed it seemed that we had to go through the middle. They and and that's really where they were. And I thought that's our strength, and obviously. Um, I mean this this possession stats what seven seventy odd percent for the first half. First half I seem to remember my seventy five percent. I mean that's it it must uh, that's ridiculous. It ba- it balanced in at the same fifty seven. The other thing as well is what we had caught noticed in the European games was that he didn't he could have possibly used on Sunday was on the left hand side McGregor and Cham and Tierney kind of worked a nice week kind of because there's three people going to see a triangle but I noticed in the European nights at home the three of them seemed to work well on the left hand side of the park attacking wise and they seemed to find each other and they were um, creating spaces and some chances but none of that was happening on Sunday a lot of it McGregor kept staying inside so Tierney was kind of on his own so but to be fair to be on his own I mean he did skin that the boy Kent quite a few times which I think helped because there was a wee bit of a gap in behind that he could hit the ball uh, and go um, but uh, the other thing is we are not doing enough of we're not doing enough shots outside of the box you see I mean you've seen it with Cham a couple of shots he's had um, it's something we don't do we really need to do a bit more of especially when teams are going to pack in like that Cham's been doing that a fair amount over the last few games he's just no his shooting's awful yeah, outside been... the box his shooting's awful I mean he had that one dig at McGregor got down to it and then ended up hitting it up and uh, hit off the, the crossbar but we had 16 shots 9 on target um, they had 6 with 2 on target unless you're going to be giving me some XG figures I'm not um... we are, are what do they call it predicted goals or some shit expected 25 goal 25 that's what I've got to say 25 <laughs> 16 shots 25 expected goals aye ok fair enough quick math that's a uh, definite Definite facts. Yep. That was uh, Christian Wolf sent us that stat. <laughs> 100% Christian Wolf guarantee. That's what you're Follow saying. Follow him on Twitter. Staking his name on it. Yep. yep. Follow him on Twitter at Norwegian Bullshit. <laughs> it's a hell of a bullshit, actually. <laughs> a hell. Uh, any kind of big call outs for you, Kieran, before we start talking about individual players or um, any, any moments that really, other than the goal, obviously, which we'll get to, but. I thought in Cham was fantastic. Deserved of his man of the match. Uh, unfortunately, I thought Rodgers was very quiet. But I don't know if that was down to, like we said, too packed in the middle um, and just couldn't really find much space to kind of have the ball and kind of turn with it. Uh, Eddie, Eddie as well, I thought. But then he was, I think it looked he was slightly still injured. He didn't look as if it was 100%. He was rusty. He was rusty. Which probably wasn't the best thing to do was to play him because he didn't really get in the make game as much. But he should he should have buried that chance with a header. Uh, I, I actually wanted him. I don't know if anybody, if you saw Harry Kane's goal last weekend. Uh, uh, was that 
Who was it they were Man, playing? Was it not against Man United? Was it Man United with a header? And they played it across the goalkeeper. Uh-huh. I think it was that. As soon as that came to him, that's what I thought. Play it, play it across him rather than... Because I, he, he struggled really to get any power in it. But I suppose if he'd, you know, if he's on form, he probably would have buried that. I think, fair enough, the Eddie we, we know would normally score that. But I still think it was more difficult than people make out. See, just the, yeah. the ball and how he's coming at it. But we won't hold it against them. You bloody bear. No. <laughs> uh, I thought for, Forrest crack off the bar. That oh, was early on. I thought. I mean, that would have been fantastic if I'd been in. But yeah, individuals. I mean, obviously there was there was a few a few really good performances. I, big uh, Boyata. I was going to say, unfortunately, big Boyata. I've always been a huge fan. <laughs> Yep, never doubted him. Never doubted him. No. Kind of find that hard to. I mean, it was like, it, it was fantastic. I mean, every defense. I think nearly every defensive header he met. It's just unfortunate he's no good with his headers and fucking the opposite end when it comes to corners. Colossal, um, colossal. But I still, don't, I'm still, I'm not a fan of him oh, after what he done. You keep him there. I don't know. That was the most important, the most important game of our season, and he decides not to get in the plane. I don't care. You'd have to go and score a hat trick against Rangers. Even at that, I don't think it'd be enough to turn it around. I think once once you decide, I'm not one to play for you. We we shouldn't be allowing it to be played. He's came back in his three games. He's you know they're not all necessarily been the hardest games. The opposition, um, but but then does that get poor? But he he's looked he's looked great. Does that make up for the fact that? Maybe, maybe not. We were not in the Champions League for him. On a, on a night in Athens, when we probably needed a defence, and the way he's played, he seems to be one of our best defenders. Had he been in that park, there's a good chance we might not have conceded as many Listen, goals. The clown has wiped off the face paint. He's taken off the shoes. And it's Dedrick. Dedrick's back. Aye. Well, we see, well, then we'll he's see a, giant, a giant amongst men. Legend. And wait till January. We need to keep him. Yeah. But the thing is, we'll... If we're going to keep him, we need him to sign a contract. We could do that. Aye, but I don't know how much is he going to want in a week? Well, that's going to be a big thing. He, he clearly it, thinks he's worth 50 grand a week. Don't know about that, but I think that. The, the fact is, even if he asks for a bit more than you'd like to pay him, the value we'll get from selling him in a year's time if we do it is probably worth paying him but then while, while some of the clubs remember his performances in the World Cup that apparently is maybe put on it that he claims he's increased his value we'll get offers next but, summer the, the thing is I think if, there's clubs across Europe obviously know what the situation is they know that he's he's wanting a move Um he can't go anywhere now. Obviously, he's going to be playing Europa League games. If he impresses in the Europa League and keeps going the way he's going, the value will still be there for him, I think, and in, then, in January. And January is probably a good time for defenders because clubs who are maybe struggling defensively and wanting to shore things up, there's probably a, a good market for them. But the um, thing is, we won't get much value from him because that's a pre-contract he'd sign. So you'll sign a pre-contract and Steve for the rest of the year rest of the season or we cash in and say right six months left we'll see it but you'd only get a couple of million if you've not for him if you see him in January well people are offering nine, ten million just now four, five but that's but then listen that's if someone if someone offered you four, five million for Bayata in January not oh, that long ago you would have bit their right. hand off for it 
But it depends on how desperate these clubs are in January and how how much how much of a difference they feel he could make to their defence. And the other thing but is, if he signs a pre contract in January, he's shite, and I never liked him. But yeah, absolutely. Um, aye, no, he's you know what he's he's with us. He's the best we've got right now. So. That's the unfortunate thing. That's what I think. That's why Rogers has looked at it in that, that kind of sense. Where um, I don't know if you call it sentimental, the, the fact of decide I'm not going. I'm not going to play for play for the club. Um, try and force a move didn't happen. So now he's going to come back in. But then he is probably the best of a bad bunch that we have, and it's a bit uh, kind of. How he's in. unless this new boy Bank is it Benkovic or not? Benkovic yeah. depends on what could I've, I've seen him on the bench. He's f- massive. That's a yeah. that's well, a big I, unit of a defender. So I'd be interested to see how good he is. That was the only thing I wanted him to start when, when I was obviously waiting for the lineup. I mean, again, the lineup leaked out the night before. Um, as as is the the tradition. Yep. Um, and that I mean that's what I was that's what I was hoping for. I thought start him, Ayer, Boyata. I thought there's no chance Lafferty and Morelos would get any change out of them. Um, I didn't want Lustig to start, but got to hand it to him. It didn't really put much of a foot wrong, really. I mean, he played owned Lafferty. He owned him. Yeah, I mean Lafferty, Lafferty up to his usual dirty tricks, trying to get cards dished out for nothing, but. No, Lustig done well, to be fair to him. He used his experience well and never really Which get he drawn does in. With, with big, well, I'll say game, big, big game players, laugh. He's not a quality player. But Have a score against us. But aye, in those kind of games, so he knows how he can raise his level to the kind of opposition that he's marking. Um, I, think La- I think Lafferty, I think Lafferty's got a lot of really good attributes he's, he is a cracking finisher I think he's a good player oh, and I think besides McGregor he's the the best signing but against us he, he's he's too much of a dirty little beep wow yep self edit I like it um, yeah no, I would have preferred he stayed at Hearts I just doesn't really matter. We're gonna ah, him, but beating but beating him when he's got a blue top on just feels better, doesn't it? True, true. Well, yeah, six and a half a dozen. The old diet. Ah, one the same. Um, what about we? We talked about Bayata. What about Ayer? How, what was our feeling on his performance? Um, I think he was a bit more sub- subdued. He wasn't kind of getting falls as much. I don't know if where Rogers had said to him not to kind of do that as much, but there's times where I've seen where he plays uh, plays games. He um, he can take the ball and drive into midfield with it, which kind of helps because it kind of gets the team forward a little bit. Um, wasn't doing a lot of that, um, but it seemed to. Uh, I mean, he did well. I mean, Morales and Lafayette were so quiet; they get nothing out of our defence. Um, we really kind of they stood tall with three of them together um, and managed to kind of. Keep them. I mean, Morales had that one thing where he kind of decked, bossed by that and dick got him in his arse and then they had that one shot, but it was yeah the front post. It was quite like yeah, I, I was relatively quiet, but that's probably <laughs> a great thing for a centre half, isn't it? I mean, if you're saying your centre half is quiet, then you're happy with that. Um, he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, he wasn't, you know running up and carrying the ball maybe quite so much I think he'd done it once quite early on and he lost it did he not um, and that was a wee bit of a worry um, but no he that composed that stopped him from doing it more often and yeah. if he'd done it once he thought right too big a game for me to start 
But I think that's, that is, I think that is the best thing about Ayer is and why he's kind of done so well recently is because he, on the whole, he does keep it simple and it works for him. And how many times have we had centre-halves that just can't keep it simple? I mean, Boyata is one of them. Um, until we came back from that injury and he started to become a bit of a player, but it was because he was keeping it simple. If F.A. Ambrose could keep it simple, he'd probably still be playing with Celtic, but he likes to do mental things. What we also have to remember is that I, I technically, as a kid, grew up being an attacking midfielder. So he's actually got a bit of technique about him. Oh, he knows absolutely. how to have the ball at his feet, which is what we've not always had in a centre half. So he's a kind of centre half you want to kind of build with that to have, like we've talked previously, where you have your ball playing centre half and you have your actual defensive defender. Yeah. Um, so he's he's good at that. He's kind of that, that side of it that's working quite well. What about the absolute greatest though? Scott Brown. No. Incorrect. KT. Oh, well, okay. What a performance from KT. Absolutely fantastic. Do you expect, do you expect anything less? It's just uh, it's scary, though. Boss? He's just so, so good. I mean, Sick. he was just. I mean, for such a. For, for a young guy, I mean, uh, he's still young. He's still in the bracket of young. Well, I was thinking, was it the WhatsApp or were we. I was talking, somebody was. Once, he, once he's here for the 10, because there's no question. Oh. But. Um, He'll be just turning 24 or something like that. Nah, that's crazy. It's just mental. I think that was one of his best performances in, in a Glasgow derby. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he just... They, they, they couldn't they couldn't stop him. They just... They, they couldn't... I mean, to be fair, he was up against that Kent boy and, and Tavernier, both of our... I don't know <laughs> to me they're pretty hopeless I mean Tavenier that was hilarious did you see the goal we've not even talked about the goal yet but the goal watching Tavenier back I kept replaying it and replaying it just chuckling it was, it was hilarious though because he started he was right up at the box I watched him for where he started he was on, on line with the, about the penalty spot and he starts sprinting back and he sprinted kept sprinting up until just before Rogic passed the ball and he gave up just fucking chucked it and the other boy Ajaria as soon as the pa- the ball left Tom Rogic's feet chucked it the two of them literally just just casually just jogged went from a sprint to a little jog and just watched the rest of it unfold and if Tavernier had kept running at full belt he probably would have got in the way in Cham mm-hmm. because it was right in front of him that Cham scored the goal but the movement for that goal I mean that run Fantastic. from Encham. See for me the the, the best uh, yeah. the, one of the probably the best part of it was Forrest's sight for that pass. Yeah. To see because a couple of players who's aiming for that. He was. He I was aiming from Cham. That, that was never a shot. No, 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 no. It was whether he was passed it back to Edward. Yeah. Edward. I, I don't know. I I, I think I think, I think he meant he, it for Encham as well. I think he's seen Encham coming up. And I think but I, I thought I just thought that. I mean, you've got the greatest Thomas Rogic carrying it, the ball carrier, out sprinting young Ajaria. But obviously, other cynics will say that he can't run. He's got you know the lungs, l- lungs of a goldfish or that. I, I mean, he's sprinting what 70 metres up the pitch and that was in the 60 or mirror was it not ah, it was exactly exactly Kieran he's an absolute gazelle yeah. um, so 
you, you've got him sprinting up the pitch, but I thought the, the best bit of it for me was in Cham because he didn't even have the ball at his feet. His total anticipation, he didn't know that it was going to play out, that he'd be there, but he's anticipating it. Mm-hmm. Runs all the way up, gets himself in a fantastic position. Slows then, himself down. Yeah. Exactly. Right and then the composure to finish that because it's not it's not an easy finish. And he's got the composure to, to, to finish it at the, the, the keeper's near post. I thought it was just a fantastic counter-attacking goal. And do you know, my one of my favourite ever goals for Celtic was, I want to say it was against Benfica, but I think I'm probably wrong. Who did Kenny we? Miller, the Kenny Miller, the Kenny Miller goal. The Kenny Miller's hat-trick. Aye. And I'm sure that was a really good... And it was a brilliant counter-attacking goal. Yeah. And that's all, that was always one of my favourite goals, just because I, I loved the, the speed of it and the, how clinical we were. And it kind of reminded me of that. Just brilliant, brilliant goal and never a foul. Well, that's what I was going to get to. The thing I was to say as well, the, the fact that Cham anticipates, it's the, the good thing with that is he's given another option or he's given another way yeah. for the Rangers' defence. If he doesn't go, then there's only maybe three of them. To worry about when you then stick when he's run up there, there's another possibility. So the Rangers defence are kind of like, shit. There's, there's so many players. Which position do I need to be in? So that's why they they, they kind of don't really know what to do. Free what Louis saying half of them have given up. I'm gonna have to watch that, well. that. Oh, you need to watch it. Ah, watch no, no, t- watch Tavernier. It just gives up. It is glorious. But you're saying he, Tavernier's not a great of Rangers squad. He's one of their better players. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he's the captain though. He's literally got the armband on, and he gives up, and and it's and the the goal comes from the Rangers' right hand side. So that doesn't mean nothing. But when you've got the captains, does, did, was our captain not guilty of not of doing that? Was it party game not running back in time or giving up? It's one thing I hate. I, you you knows me. You you and Gal know me. It's, a, it's my pet hate when it comes to a footballer and a midfielder is not tracking back. See this fucking little jog. See if you're a central midfielder. I'm sorry, but you've got to be one of the most fit. Is that why, you've got is that why you don't box. play in central midfield? Nah, that's why <laughs> 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 up front. Do <laughs> need to come back? That's why you're the Lee Griffiths up front screaming at the guy <laughs> for no running 100 yards. Brilliant. Um, but I see it so many times, midfielders just not getting back quick enough and that's the majority of goals will happen where if teams are breaking or getting forward, their midfielders getting past our midfielder and it just... It does my nothing. You yeah. sh- you should be that's part of your main job because you are a midfielder. There's an extra responsibility on you to cover more ground, but that's why you're chosen to do it. And that's fair enough. But if you bad mouth Scott Brown again, I'll cut you. Um, <laughs> oh, even Eddie, we didn't even really mention his part in that goal as well, though. But again, just his movement and yeah. the ball's simple, but it's making that choice um, and, and making the right choice to get it to Forrest. That was. Just a fantastic goal. Um, Kieran moved away from the fill, so I'm not sure if he thinks it's a fill. Are you? Um, there's a slight bad connection there, but it looks more it's the way he's landed. He's landed a little bit awkwardly. Um, it's one of those that could be given either way. It could have been given as a fill. It's been, not it's a given a fill, but it's not given. So I'd say there's a fill against Rogic before his. You know, he, the boy obstructs him. Yeah. Oh, Jack! Jack's jumping into him. But then they'll argue where you're getting yourself between the player and the ball to force that player behind you to make the foul. That's what they kind of when you like at the defensive work. Um, you're trying to get that ball back. You just get yourself in between the ball and the player, 
and that forces the attacking player, yeah. offensive player, to foul you to get the ball and, and get the I ball mean, back the, that the, way. The, the, the bullshit, Stephen Gerrard, you know, the the linesman shouting foul, foul, foul. Yeah, the linesman is a much greater distance away mm-hmm. from the referee at, at the that point. So, twice yeah, if the referee sees it a lot closer and is happy for play to continue play continues ah, cause the referee, there's no argument uh, he's the man in charge so they, they, the rest of the guys are giving him assistance they're saying oh by the way that's a foul foul but if he's if Willie's like I don't see it at all and he's happy to and yet almost what the next breath he turns around and says I but Alan McGregor should have been sent off it's like well, hold on a minute so you're, you're whinging about that one foul that would have said the goal never happened however your keeper should have been sent off after what was it about half an hour and then would have st- how many goals would we have won uh, have scored if it wasn't for McGregor being in between the sticks? Because so you can have it one way, more than that, that way, and then not the other way. And McGregor has gotten off with it. What are our thoughts on that, Louis? What is that? Sorry, McGregor. Oh, well, you're not really surprised, are you? Yes, if you're fucked it now after the Morelli's thing, where they retur- returned that, then they overturned the red, the Naismith kick at Brown again. That was a kind of vindictive kick and anger. Uh, and the McGregor one's the exact same, but neither of them are... I mean, it, it's, it's open a bad thing that you can have a wee kick out if you want. Well, I mean, I don't know if anybody had listened to, the, um, listened to Sports Sound on, I think it was Monday, and they were debating it. And apparently the rule says that if there's a difference between having disregard for an opponent's safety and then endangering the opponent's safety... And they deemed that he had disregard for Ayer's safety rather than actually trying to put him in danger, which I just found absolutely mind-boggling. He's he's put force into that. He's yeah. not looking at where he's kicking. If he catches him in the head, yeah, and even when what he gets, because he's kind of near his ribs, it doesn't take a huge amount to bruise somebody's ribs. And if you're talking exactly. about endangering. And That's he's, a week or two out. He's deliberately tried to do the boy. He's deliberately tried to do him. And now in this country, that's all right in football games. I mean, I don't see how they come back. I don't. I don't see how they change this ahead of ahead of the rest of the season. This isn't something because the the precedent's been been set repeatedly. So so what do, what do they do? Because you can't. Surely we can't have a game where you can literally just kick people it's and right. get away with it. You try to stamp on the guy, but you're you're so incompetent. You didn't really hit him that hard. Yeah. So pass for you. Ridiculous, ridiculous decision. But again, because of what's happened before with Morelos and all that, I'm not surprised that they, that nothing was done about it. No big shock. Um, and that was that was two weeks in a row because McGregor done the same. Oh, the, the on Motherwell where he just basically kind of elbow dropped on the boy Hartley. That's <laughs> big people's he's elbow the, right on. You can see the players kind of falling at his feet and. He had no reason to go because he could stand on his feet, but he thought, there's that, there's that prick that was mouth, bad mouth, and I'm just going to have a wee fall in. So he's going to use his knee. I think he used yeah. his knee and his elbow together to yeah. kind of land on top of him. I said people's elbow closer to that Austin elbow or, or that Bret Hart elbow, but I mean, Jesus Christ. And we can that as well. Um, and he was, as, as you said, Keane, he made a huge number of saves. He was, was between, there, there were two people on the Rangers side that could have won man of the match, um, and it was McGregor or the Woodwork. Mm-hmm. So, um, exactly. Both both conspired to to keep the score down, and uh, they were lucky. They were lucky to get away with that result. I think having a one 0 from what I've heard, anyway, 
they all seem to think, well, that's progress. We yeah, never get gubbed. We never get gubbed five 0 because it was it was only one 0 Although to be fair, the five 0 was going on ten 0 so technically, yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose. Um, we do have a couple of Twitter questions. A few we if if you're interested. Um, Chris at Chris ninety four says, "What's the strongest eleven on paper? Would it be the team that played on on Sunday, or would you put anybody else?" Is that the strongest of them? Benkovic is a unknown quantity, I would say. Other than that, well, uh, gonna have to push you. Aye, aye, aye. I feel as well. Yeah, just try thinking of them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's players in there I don't like, Craig Gordon, but um, I'd have been in there, and uh, yeah, I think. Possibly, I mean, we've got a, another one from the notorious JRB um, who says, who would you start at centre-back now with Benkovic in the picture? Hard, hard to choose between Boyata, Ayer and him for the starting pair. Maybe play three at the back. And that's what I would say. I think maybe that is our, our strongest 11, maybe with Benkovic coming in instead of Lustig. Playing a back three of ben, Benkovic, Boyata and Ayer. I mean, I, I personally, I've not seen anything of Benkovic so we're assuming because he cost £14 million pounds that he's the bee's knees I think he's got to be the greatest well he's uh, I want him to eat people he's a rich man's uh, yozo I don't know <laughs> oh Jesus yeah. don't know quite what that means but um, aye I would definitely like to see Benkovic but right now Ayer uh, and Bayatars are, are two strongest centre backs and Lustig is at right back. I, and I, I've been a big fan of Lustig. He is losing that little bit of pace and it would be nice. But as you, I mean, we've seen at the weekend, he uses his intelligence to make up for it. But, but it'd be nice to have somebody that can actually... But we do seem to be going way off the back uh, um, back four now. It seems to be a back three, mostly. He's been doing a lot of thought through pre-season. He's been playing most most of the, the league to games To be fair, well. that, I, th- I think that was also to get Dembele and Edward up the top of the pitch, both of them playing. Yeah. He, might, he might change that now. Yeah. I'm surprised he went with the three on Sunday. Nah, I mean, it, I like it for the fact that he can have McGregor and Rodrick both on the pitch and Edward up top. So for that point of view, I think it could work. But I don't think we're going to see Lee Griffiths and Edward both up, up top. The fact that we've got two... Actual strikers, you can't play both of them every well, game. I know yeah. people that can play there, Sinclair and uh, Christie, and maybe even Forrest that push, but it's not. Um, Matthew McSheffrey at Sheffrey uh, Dog 2 says, Is Goldson correct in saying that Celtic aren't actually Barcelona? <laughs> Genius. Uh, yep, he's, he's nothing, know what I mean, nothing gets past him. Uh, he, he, good he, with his observation He's just not very good I don't think he's very good I think he's going to get found out Big time as the season goes on He get found out in the Morrowell game I didn't think he was that good At the weekend But um, yeah Goldson is correct We're not Barcelona We are Celtic We are better uh, Exactly uh, our, our very own Keith McGinty Ass um, I know um, I'll go game his wee moment um, Did you prefer the reduced allocation For the the ungrateful dead. What was it like, Kieran? I, I mean, it was a lot, lot better. It was you didn't. Anytime they tried to make a noise, you could drown them out, which we did. Um, but what I think was the most magical moment of the game 
um, was after the final whistle. And because the allocation was at 800, they were locked in for 15, 20 minutes after the final whistle. And uh, they got Just to enjoy in their pain. Yeah, and they got to enjoy your lap of honour, which I thought was magic. That was just fucking <laughs> rubbing it right in and getting it right up them. And it was even because they were they weren't liking it when it came round because as obviously the players went round, so got in that corner, they were kind of celebrating with Celtic fans, next to Rangers fans, and you could see Scott Brown and Kieran Tierney and Griffiths giving it kind of loudly towards the Rangers fans, and they've all just rushed forward and they've tried to what they, what they say tried to storm the pitch, but. They were never going to get that far, but they um, they came forward and the, the polls were piling in that. But I thought just um, just doing that first when the goal was scored, the sort of it was the zombie nation song as well, um, and it was the it, it, anything song to inflict well, a little bit more misery. I'm all for it. Was just it was just fantastic, um, but it was yeah. You still had the kind of whole like. N- nerves and butterflies and stomach of it being a no for uh, uh, sorry I nearly said that Jesus a derby sorry what's your mouth out it's the first time I said it for quite a while um, for a derby game you can uh, um, I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I was on the holiday last week so I didn't really actually see yeah, enough for the build up so it, did, it felt kind of quite weird it didn't really feel like it was going to be a Celtic Rangers game and even the Saturday and the Sunday even driving up and once you kind of get to the, towards the stadium then obviously you, you understand what's happening um, but it wasn't quite you still get that kind of anger when you hear all them singing the filth and all that but with the fact they went down about 800 you could barely hear them like I said the minute they started saying anything the Celtic fans just started singing and drowning them out so um, yeah it was it was Bit more enjoyable, and then the Celtic fans staying as long as possible at the end. So oh, I uh, just that was uh, just to just to kind of enjoy it. I mean, I think most of the stadium left, and they got the Green Brigade were still in there. I think they were staying in there until the Rangers fans left, just to make sure they they get every last minute of enjoyment. Lovely. We'll come back to the twelve later. I've got a few lined up. Oof, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Um, corners. That's what I wanted to ask you about because we had pure hunters of them. Um, and we wasted them. Aye. The big two good ones. Aye. Do you it's think really bad with its tall centre halves that like I said, Boyard was winning everything in his own half, his own box, but then when it comes to the corners he kinda get near them. Uh, not score. He, sc- he scored last not scoring the European game. Was it European game? Aye. I was gonna say was I'm first, I think it was his first game back and he scored a header. That's exactly right. Um so we're capable of it, but I it's, is it is a wee bit worrying that we get so many corners and then how often do we actually score for a corner? Well, see, that's what worries me. That are are we are we giving them enough focus in training? I mean, are we do we have set piece routines that we're we're working on? I mean, you see teams that are clearly getting goals from things that they've worked on the training pitch, but whose job is that? Is that? Is that the players themselves working on these things, or is it the management going right? We've we want you to try this. We think this is going to work, but surely there must be some emphasis. It must be someone's job to to put focus on corners because we can't just have one guy get in just whipping it in the box. But I, I mean, is there so, is the, the corner taker even putting up their hand to to signal? Some of them do. I've seen Griffiths put his hand up. I don't know what the signal means. Is sometimes one arm, one arm, one arm, one, one arm, arm near one post, and then two serious. arms back post. That's what it is. Uh, but I mean, but they never try anything else like get around the edge of the box, like try and play out 
it was a bit hard because you're obviously well marked, but try and play anything to the edge of the box for someone yeah. to try and kind of run, run onto it. I think it's just an obvious area for development. I think we would get a lot... I mean, we could... We should be scoring more from set pieces. And if we could if we could tighten that up and get that sorted, it would, it would help us. Especially, I mean, if, especially in Europe as well. If not, I mean, if it's something they're not working in uh, the training ground, then that's, that's bad coaching. For something I mean, we don't, we don't so know. Many, but we don't know. We're just speculating. But, but if if they are, no, very good at it. Aye, exactly. We really should be hammering it down because we do get a lot of corners. We do have a big presence uh, in our players. Um, tall, got a fair few tall guys in there who sh- really should be. Yeah. Can I? Oh, the likes of Ayer and Boyata, for example. I mean, they should be, they should be getting a few goals a season from from set pieces, surely. I, was it last year? Year before? I think we started off. I think Boyata got a couple of head, a good couple of headers beginning of. I don't know if it was last season, the season before. He got a wee bit of a consecutive run. Aye, he was going a couple of corners, but then kind of lost it. Um, couple of players. I think we've not really touched on Griffiths when he came on. Did all right. Um, again, just couldn't really get in the game. With the, I mean, for all we're saying how goals and that were poor, they still managed to kind of nullify our strikers. So they did. But I don't know if uh, it's possibly not the fact of the just the two and a half. I think it's the fact of the way they played quite close with our midfield on the defence, and there wasn't a lot of yeah, there wasn't a lot of space in between the two lines for. Because that's what Griffiths more prefers is running on the ball. Well, that, aye, that that's why I didn't I didn't think Griffiths would really come on because there was no space in behind, and that's Griffiths' game. He likes to have centre halves turned running towards their own goal, and there wasn't really a lot of space for him to get in behind. So I I think it was going to be hard for him. I mean, he had good energy. He ripped that Berisic oh, yes. a belter at the at the corner. Um, just tapping around them and running on it, which is brilliant. But I, I, Griffiths, Griffiths, I think just needs a goal. See if he gets a goal, he'll he'll go on a run he'll, because he's just a natural finisher. What was the one on Thursday not good enough? Yeah, was the one on Thursday not good enough? Aye, but <laughs> but in a Easily game, forgettable. I know. But first, I, first free kick since the England game. I know, but but I, I just I I think a goal. A goal from open play, maybe in a big game like that, I think really would have done a lot for his confidence. Free kick was good, don't get me wrong, aye, but I think we it's just them. Aye, not a problem. There's one thing scoring a we did a free kick, you know what I mean? Skipping one in for thirty yards a bit different. in uh, Forest as well, I don't know if we've touched on him. He dug a chance early on, he a bit of running. Player of the season. As in from his performances Boom. so far, or is that your Boom. prediction? No, I, I, I think there's an element of um, Forrest being underappreciated now. I honestly think he his game, he's taken his game to such a, a good level now. I, I genuinely think he's he's a really good player. I think he's a really good player now. And he's he's got... He, He's been obviously injury free for for quite a while now. He's physically developed um, his legs. I mean, the, the power in his legs. He, he there was one point he almost lost the ball. I think he had a couple of men on him, 
and but he was determined to keep the ball and he kept it. And I, you know, I just think he's came on so much that you know he kind of reminds me of Shakiri. I was watching the Liverpool game. Shakiri came on. He reminds me of Shakiri when he was actually good. You know, just that powerful winger pace. He's got a goal in him and low centre of gravity. I I think he's really one of our best players now and going a wee bit underappreciated. He d- deserves more praise. Do you think he's underappreciated because he's been with us for so long, yeah. young Scottish player, or do you think the Paddy things had an impact? As in, people are disappointed we didn't get Paddy. They play in the same position, so it's almost like uh, he's second prize. I, guess, I don't. I don't know. I think. It, I think it's probably more a case of people just take him for granted because he's been there for so long. I mean, I think if Lewis Morgan. I mean, Lewis Morgan impressed in a co- the couple of games before he got injured. I think if Lewis Morgan came in and played the same way, we'd be absolutely raving about him and be saying he's the next big thing. And I mean, people are already saying that about him. But if he was playing to the Forest levels, we, we would be jumping for joy. Yep. But we've already got that in Forest and. I, th- I think if he keeps that up He'll be a massive player again I think he's also got To his game now He's got variation He's now got where If he's driving the defender He can c- come inside And he can either Interact with another player Or he can come in And have a shot But he can also now Go down the outside And put in a ball He's done that quite a few times I see their notes Where he's actually kind of Going past the fullback And getting a ball in Which we weren't seeing Enough thought from Forrest It was always constantly Inside losing the ball Or not willing to take on the defenders and cutting back, but now he seems to have a hold of confidence now and yeah, you know, I a bit more ability now where he's actually able to get past the defender. That's it for me. I think he's got more confidence. I think him, him and McGregor, I think they both exude confidence and, and belief in their ability now, which had, they they maybe didn't have in the past. I mean, when Forrest, you know, squares up a fullback. He looks like he is totally in control of the situation, rather than just trying trying his best to just to do something. I think he knows what he wants to do, and he's he's more confident and more sure in them within himself. And I think that has to be down to Brendan Rodgers. It must be, but, because we we you see it with McGregor. Those two, they weren't like that before he came, and I think they've that's one aspect of their game that he's worked on. I think. As well, just talking about McGregor, talking about Forrest, I think they're really important players in that we'll talk about Dembele in a wee minute, but we know that our model right now is try to find these gems of players, get a couple of seasons out of them, and then punt them and make some money off them. Yep. But to do that, to have that churn, we need a solid spine, a solid group of players, and it's probably going to be young Scottish players that are going to be happy to stay at Celtic. So, seeing young, obviously we've got Gordon Bain and goals. We've got KT. We've got Forrest. We've got McGregor. We've got um, Griffiths up front. Having a core of about uh, five, six players that are there. Ralston. Ralston, yep. the likes of that. <laughs> yep. Um, playing week in, week out. Yep. Solid. Ral chops. Uh, but I having half a dozen of your players that are there that are likely to stay for four, five, six years yep. and give you that spine whilst you bring in. Dembele's and Chams Eddie's that maybe only give just French two. guys just the French aye. Aye. French and Scott the, the other lines that's aye. what it is that's the key um, but I, I think you're right I think players are underrated and I think they're really important that we've got really 
really talented Scottish players that are, or at least players being brought up through our youth system. Yeah. Or that we can steal from other Scottish teams. And then another thing is we are kind of took a slight note of on Sunday was the fact that Christie got on earlier on. It's not so much that, but he got ahead of Sinclair. I don't know what's happened to Sinclair now. I don't even know what Rogers' game plan is with him now because that's a number of times where he's not getting starting game. You know, I can't really think of how many games he started off the top of my head this season so far. Oh, sure. Not getting a lot of game time. Christie's getting a bit more now, so I don't know if he feels that he wants to give Christie a bit more now. But then I suppose Christie will be, especially with your, your, the formation we're playing, Christie will now be more of a, a replacement for Rogic because... McGregor's part of the midfield three, so you've got your mid, you've got your McGregor, Browning, and Cham. And if you technically got two strikers, but we don't, we don't play two strikers as much anymore. There's that spare body, so Rodgers will only play for so long. And it seems if like I think Christie's going to be pushed more into be well, Chris, Rodgers' kind of understudy, as it would be. Well, he seems to be more considering considering him as a striker because he's saying that Christie is going to get his chance now. Dembele's not there. Um, so it, it it's I mean obviously he came on um, right. oh, it, it came on at the weekend and he was playing up front I mean I think it's fantastic I think it's great for Christie and I'm I'm really glad that he's going to get his chance because as I've said in the podcast a few times it really does my nothing when we buy these young players <coughs> um, talented players and then they they don't get the chance to even fail you know I, 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 if they if they get the chance they fail fair enough they're not good enough on they go but if they're not even getting the chance to show what they can do I find that really frustrating so the fact he's finally getting that opportunity is great and I, I think we've got a player there yeah I mean there's many a night I wake up and think Barry Bangura what could it be Barry Bangura man the greatest bang bang um, but no you're absolutely right and it's good to see I think with Sinclair as well Brendan's got that kind of decision to make we know he can be great but he's been off the boil and he's unless there's been a few changes with contracts, but he was our highest paid player. So do you do you give the chance to Christie, who's young, who's going to improve, and who's a lot cheaper? And do you get Sinclair punted? I it? think as well, I think for the quality and talent Sinclair has, he's, he doesn't seem well to adapt to different positions. He doesn't seem to do too well in the middle. We've seen, we've seen it quite a number of times where if we're playing like a back three, KT's our left wing back, Sinclair then has to play inside and he just gets lost he, yeah. I think his whole game is coming in from the left having the ball at his feet and running at yeah. people and coming in and trying to kind of like like trickery and all that to get past the player whereas when you're in the midfield um, it's more about probably strength and holding off which I don't think he's very good at um, so I think it depends on the formation I think really is the bigger factor with it when it comes to Sinclair I was speaking to somebody and work big call shape, big call shape. Um, Shout out. Yep. Uh, with Tierney, Tierney's essentially two players. I mean, he basically does the job that Sinclair should be doing in that wing, so it makes it, as you say, harder because he's cutting in more and he's not, he's not as comfortable there, or he's closer to the middle. Um, aye. So, um, that would take us quite nicely onto the transfer window, but uh, the other point about the game I was going to talk about briefly Kieran um, the crush beforehand so you weren't, well, I wouldn't say you were in the crush but you were pretty much there or thereabouts 
Yeah, when I arrived, I just I was kind of coming past Jockstein, um, heading towards I into the corner at the Jockstein in the north, um, and as I was coming up, I was just to see a people, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, that's how the queue for me to get in my turnstile because obviously it kind of spills out that way sometimes, um, and then kind of as I got closer, they could see there was the the police horses were starting to kind of move over, and there was kind of police officers in the middle, so. And then it kind of became more apparent as I could then look, see forward down Janefield Street. It was just sea of bodies, and it was um, it was kind of quite horrible to see. Um, and there was just so much anger um, about how there was no control of what was happening there. Um, you could see women and women and kids coming out of once they were kind of because as they kind of tried to stop more people going, you could see women and kids coming out in tears, um, men just so angry what was happening and kind of getting at police and stewards to do something who just seemed absolutely fucking clueless and what they were doing um, I can't quite understand why Celtic and the police have allowed that to happen but how it didn't even in the pre-planning think of okay so the allocations now went from 7,000 to 800 Rangers fans then they're now thinking right so obviously London Road's shut off at the front because they don't allow the fans to mix so you're thinking no, not one person thought that 58,000 fans are going to have to potentially go up and down that wee street it's it's just crazy to think what, what why they allowed that um, going forward I mean I don't know allocation to zero I mean that's the that's the bigger thing to do that's probably the only way to do it because other than that are you then going to uh, anticipate, expect fans to have to take the long way around because I can't ever see them walking up London Road because I'll never want the fans to cross so they're going to have to have them going the long way around, like as if you're going on the Gallagate and down round to the Forge Shopping Centre. Um, so they're going to have to do something because that that had the potential to be a modern day, well, aye, modern day um, catastrophe at a football ground that we've not really ever seen. Um, and you see all the pictures. Clearly, and they clearly have to manage that situation better because you can't have that happening nah, again. Not kids all. having to go on shoulders and things, getting. I mean, you're seeing people falling down. I mean, I, actually, eventually when I was kind of around and it kind of clearly, but there was a, there was a, a an older man kind of basically seizing at my at my turnstiles. So it was having to be catered to with the first aiders. Um, so when they see only five in a horse, what I'm about. So I don't really take that. Just for you. I think there must have been more going through. And you see, I seen a, a story as well Monday that a young lad just taken to hospital because he's having nightmares. So it is. Um, that have been scary. Oh, it's, been I mean, scary. Not, not even just for kids, for grown men. I mean, grown adults have said that I've never experienced anything like that. And just the, the terrifying nightmares of it. Um, you just never think that would happen. I mean, all the things that have happened that way in the past. Yep. They always say that the stadiums are so much safer now and nothing's kind of things like that's going to happen. And all of a sudden, 2018, we're very close to it happening again. So I see these, see these big questions need to be asked. And Aye. and we need a bit of honesty as well because so far the police seem to be just putting their horns up saying nothing to do with us. Aye, it wasn't us. Um, so I, I think planning comes into it, but... Aye, people have got to learn their lessons instead of just uh, try to shun blame, just figure out how it doesn't happen again. Because, I mean, they've had it before with um, European games, the big Champions League games, they shut the fences off because they're aware yep. of the potential of congestion and crushing that. So 
why they thought it and in, in, in a European game you can walk around the whole stadium, but yet they still have these them at the end of the game they have him shut and you have to kind of go out the other way. Um, I don't know, so I don't know why they all of a sudden thought no one had them in the right mind. Like I said, the front of the stadium shut off, so every single not every but most punters when they're whatever direction they're going are going to have to go through that small street. Um, no, nah, it was just it was quite it was quite horrible to see. So it was. So one one last point before we move on for the for the game. Um, a tweet from uh, at Celtic Boy seventy three says: Do Celtic have motivation issues for some domestic games? Um, the tempo intensity they play against Rangers and Aberdeen over the last few years is no- noticeably missing for matches against Kelly, Hamilton, Dundee, etc. Particularly at home. I don't don't think that's deniable, but at the same time. I think you're always going to have an element of that. I don't. It's easy to say we should be given that that you know should have that desire in every single game, but we know there's going to be games that are going to be more important. Whether that's to the fans, whether that's been made more of by the media, whether that's to the players themselves, um, I think that's only natural. But I absolutely we shouldn't be watching games against you know whether it's Partick Crystal or whoever it happens to be. And thinking that you know they're just no bothering their us. I think as well, a lot of the momentum and the pace will come from the way the teams are set up, and we lose it because teams just sitting against us. Rangers I, did that. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, I think it's to be expected to a certain extent. But what I would like to see is Celtic with a wee bit more of a swagger in the other games. When they are playing the likes of Kelly and well, no Kelly. I mean, Kelly's a tough game now, but other other games maybe Hamilton at home. Like I would, I, I, we should be beating them quite comfortably and 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 really going out and and putting on a show. And I think that's that's the thing that worries me. I think there's an uh, or not worries me, but frustrates me at times with this. Something that that um, that Rogers and the coaching staff need to work on, and it's not it's not even a criticism criticism of them it's the fact that any team that's as dominant as we have been and we've done we've done a double treble so see keeping that kind of um what's the word Com- uh, complacency yeah from the squad that's difficult but it's something that they need to be thinking about because you know if you're just going every week and beating everything that's put in front of you there comes a point where maybe your motivation motivation does actually dip. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah, uh, although we do quite well at turning it on when we have to, we're going to get to the point where we can't. We 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 can't do it, and uh, unless we're playing consistently at a high level, despite the opposition, whoever it may be, aye, if that creeps into your game, you get complacent. It'll be no good. Yeah, good question. Thanks for that, sir. Yeah, um, we will play some. Just a wee club banger, I think. A club banger of a tune. Uh, I think it's a great pick. Thanks. Thanks, Lou. Um, it is. It's a belter.
combinations. Thought it was great. She's a belter. Uh, aye, so a um, couple of our wee bits to go over after just absolutely loving smashing them. Uh, transfer market, we'll touch on that first of all. Jesus, what a spectacular, glorious failure that was. Take me through it, Lou. Take me through your logic there, pal. Well, we spunked the budget on Edward, didn't we? Exactly. Despite the fact that we recouped it from player sales mm-hmm. right at the start of the window. And, uh, yeah, we didn't strengthen in the obvious, glaringly obvious areas of the pitch that we had to. Okay, it was just, a, it, it's been a complete failure, this transfer window, I think, other than obviously Edward coming in. Uh, the Benkovic deal... And on reflection, at first when Malumbu signed, I thought, Jesus Christ, what is going on? But the more I think of it, the more I like it. And I think he will bring something um, to to the team and and maybe be that replacement for Brown that maybe Kouassi just isn't. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing Malumbu. But I think over the piece... There's a lot of speculation and rumour about the players that we tried to go for and the reasons why we never got them and possibly Law's involvement in it. And we've speculated for weeks and everybody knows it, but there's clearly got to be a review internally of of how these, these deals are done. From who's identifying players, who's signing off on them, because the club got it wrong. And we've, it's... The biggest window of the season, really. I mean, I know they say January is important, but the big, the biggest deals get done in the summer, and we're not in the Champions League. And you know, I think people have to help be held account, uh, held held to account over this. I, I honestly do. I think and in, internally, there's got to be, hopefully, Dermot, uh, Dermot Desmond, if you know, if he comes in and tries to bang some heads together, I think it has to happen because it's it's just no good enough. But then is Law not the chief negotiator? Is that not his is that not his task? So Well, is he the see. chief negotiator or does he just sign off on them or what? I, we don't know. Because what's that know. Lee Conjunton's role? 
Is he chief he's scout? scout? Essentially, so head of the scouts. <laughs> Isn't he? I mean, he, all the scouts go out, and but he's the head of it. Head of it. So realistically, you, you think it would work? As Rogers says, this is the player I want. If I kind of get this player, I want to see. I want you to find people that are potentially close to them. It's yeah, similar, it's his job to find the the players that fit the manager's profile, isn't it? The, no, I mean, Brendan Rodgers says I want an attacking fullback, right footed. Then they go out and they find they find that profile of player. Yeah, and then they take it. Then they take it. They must take that then to like a dossier to Rodgers. Aye, present it to him, and then they decide right we want to go for him. They pass it on to the, whoever's negotiating, and they make contact with the club. But clearly, it's falling apart in places because we had a right bag lined up apparently, and then blew it. Yeah, that's wrangling over McGinn saga. I mean that, but that that was more. I think that was more low. I think from where you kind of read it is low was trying to bank on the fact that McGinn was a boyhood Celtic fan. Therefore, we're trying to get him a wee bit on the cheap. And but, but the thing is, it's, 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 it's all self-inflicted negativity that, for, the, for that whole window. I mean, we're lucky that the the team have managed to get you know those three wins in the week before the international break, and and turn things into a more positive light. But if you took if you take that away, we've had a disastrous window where we've lost our biggest asset in in Dembele, and. We had all the 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 controversy with uh, Boyata as well. It's been a nightmare, a nightmare summer for the club. I think. Yes and no. I well, I was gonna just say it hasn't been as big a disaster as people are making out. But you're absolutely those two deals that you mentioned, McGinn, who whether you agree he was the right player or not, we could have got him. We could have. We and Rogers wanted. We him. haggled over. A, a small amount of money because it wasn't that much more that he went for than we had offered and then we did offer it um, if we got in there a week earlier he would have taken he would have taken Celtic and he would have taken our wages however as you say England comes in much more money fair play to him again I'm not going to hold that against him I think as well it wasn't I don't really know if it was the second, the final one was the money I think the final one was he was like, he was pissed off that Celtic messed about and well, he, he said, so what? I'm sure if um, he's getting offered double or, you know, something close to that. To what ah, we were never going to double, double what Villa are doing, but I think the fact that we could have, maybe we could have matched the wages that Villa were doing, but he seems to be like a man of his word and he's come down, had his medical, he's about to sign for Villa and he thinks that Celtic can all of a sudden just now go, oh shit, we've messed up, so last minute we'll just come in. But the same happened with the sporting right back where we were in, we could have done a deal, they needed the cash up front um, because their financial situation and at the last minute supposedly low said actually can we break it down into instalments that led to a stall and then somebody came in and, and, and took him up again these players might may or may not have been the an improvement to yeah, yeah. improvement to our squad but that's the players that we supposedly wanted we fucked about and we lost them because um, they I mean they always done as well with McKenna um, I know they kind of cheekily put in a hundred thousand pound bid first but then all of a sudden the next offer was 3.5 million, supposedly. It was the rumour. Fuck, they wouldn't have put in a hundred thousand pounds. Why would they do that? Uh, that's what I heard. That's somebody in football just, manager, surely. Um, but I mean, even with 3.5 million, that means they're willing to pay that kind of money. There must be defenders better than him out in Europe that you could get easily for 3.5 3. million pounds. Um, 
I suppose we could probably question the scouting network. They'll probably feel with that as well. Yeah. But looking at who's went out and who's came in, so we've lost Dembele, obviously, Sviatchenko, Armstrong, Big Blow Chifty. Um, uh. He's gone. Uh, which now, with Dembele gone, uh, and, that's, and then there's some younger players. Pad, Paddy Roberts, obviously, not coming back, obviously. so he's a loss. Um, but in we've got Eddie now we had Eddie last season that's fair enough but he's our record signing we have spent £9 million on him which I'm quite happy with Bain Malumbu as you said um, Benkovic and Loan Arzani Izagiri um, and the boy Okoflex as well although he's 16 but or whatever see when you look at it, some of the players that have come in <coughs> will probably be good players but Obviously not yet, whereas the players that have left Celtic, we've had them for a couple of years. Yeah. So they've built themselves up, they've developed themselves up, so it looks more of a a bigger loss losing them and bringing in players who you've, quite aren't actually at yeah. their level, but could potentially you've get lost, to that level. You've, you've lost starters and you've brought in backups, well, essentially. Yeah, I think with the forward situation as well, Eddie is the replacement for Dembele. It's just that we had both of them for a period of time, but yeah. Eddie was always the replacement for Dembele when we sold him, and we did. They, they spent the money. To be fair, they've got fucking hundreds of money, and they've got money in from sales, and they've got Champions League money for the last few years, but Eddie is the replacement for Dembele. Doesn't excuse the fact we now don't have another striker unless, as you see, you consider Christie that forward. But I feel like he could just be getting shoehorned in as a kind of... Which you'll probably find while, like you were saying, Griffiths and Edwards will never play, never play together because you can't afford to have two strikers in the park at the same time when you only have two because there's a greater chance for them to get injured. Whereas if you only have one at a time on, um, there's less chance less chance of that. So, but, uh, Christy was used a couple of times in striker, wasn't he, in pre seasoning? But uh, see, the, the, the thing is, though, see, looking at that, Bain, you got. For free, didn't have to pay a fee for him. Better than DeVries. What? Better than DeVries. Aye, but but, but, the, but the point is, we've no paid money for him, right? Um, Azagiri, no paid money for him. Benkovic is alone. Alzani's alone. So it'll be a nominal fee in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, Okoflex is a free. Malumbu is a free. Yep. So the only player that you've actually spent any money on is Edward. And there's no way that we are paying up that money mm. all in one go. It will be in instalments, and probably. That was, that was £9 million. We sold Armstrong for six. So you've... I think it's more than more than six for... It was about seven or eight, was it not? Yeah, for, for Armstrong. So £7 it's million, you get, a, you, we get about a million for Sviachenko. Um, you get £20 million for Dembele. I mean, we've brought in 30 million and, you know, there's plenty of cash there. We're, we're cash rich. Why aren't we going out and splashing a bit of it? Yeah. And it irritates me as well, as you're talking about earlier on in the Champions League, every season there's talk of we're waiting to see if we get in before we buy a player. Aye. Why? Aye. See if... See if it's somebody you're thinking about splashing a lot of money on some past star who's got one year left in them. That maybe makes sense. But I would imagine anyone you're going to sign is going to be staying 
for a few seasons. So you know what? Even if we didn't qualify, he's going to be there for the next season. And he's going to help us qualify for the next year's yeah. Champions League. And, and, and do you know, when you think about it, you know, the, the, there's always... I think the, the thing that's always been said is, oh, when, the, when, when Rangers come back, we're keeping our cash, and then when Rangers come back and actually mount a challenge, we'll spend big and blow them away. You know... That result of the weekend probably plays right into the board's hands as well because that just shows you all the hype and everything that surrounded Gerard and Rangers and all that. Still wiped the floor with them, never spent any money. So what incentive is there to spend any money at all for for domestic competition again going forward? There's there's none really. And if your ambitions clearly aren't that high when it comes to European football, then. There's going to have to be some sort of give. Either Rogers is going to go because the club are just not willing to match it or the club decide, no, do you know what, the model has to change. And we're going to find that out in January, I think. I think the other thing as well is not unless the, the, our outgoings and expenditure is a lot higher than what Celtic are kind of releasing or making out or we're just not reading it correctly so that they're having to use some of these kind of money, like player sales, to actually... Keep the club running. Our financial model is going to be have player sales that will help us stick. So we're not always going to make the Champions League, which is going to be a big hit. But we're financially in good health right now. Well, we've had two Champions League. You're twenty five million, twenty million for Dembele, and you're twelve. Um, was it twelve million for Van Dijk? Uh, was it, no, it wasn't that much, was it? Ten percent. Oh, seven and a half, eight million. It was ten percent. Uh, but uh, still, I mean, I, I mean, that's twenty eight million pound. That's nearly we sold them for 12 million in the first place. Yeah, that's <laughs> eighty-eight million pound that we have not really spent because any other players we've sold and bought, we've kind of almost matched out each other. Yeah. Um, we're not. We're never gonna. Our, our manager's never gonna sell a player for twenty million and then have the full twenty million. Or, well, no. at least you know all the the, the transfer. Uh, but should have at least half. Like, yeah, Taylor should at least half of that. Ten million should be available to him in January. But the thing is, the thing that annoys me is you've got we've got about. £70 million pound worth of on the pitch in four players, right? Edward, £15 million. You could, he, you could see him going for £15 million thereabouts. You could see in Cham going for about £15 million. Tierney, Tierney could go for... Add a zero on that. Oh, Tierney will go for double double that. You've got Ayer. Ayer will get you £10 million. We've got we've, we've got players oh, yeah, now... Our, our club has progressed from having players leaving for two, three million pound to now we've had a a good run at developing players and selling them for over ten million pound. What we should surely be seeing it coming the, the exact same happening with players coming in then, surely if we've got any aspirations to to, to get somewhere. There's always good. Uh, well, I think you're right about. And there's also a lack of ambition, as you say. If, if our ambition is purely win domestically, that's that's poor. I'm not saying we should be aiming to win the Champions League. We know that's unrealistic. But aiming to be in the Champions League group stages every season to actually put in performances um, to consistently have players of a quality, that's absolutely an ambition that and we get, can have. And get to a point where we don't have to fear qualification, that yeah. we can almost assume qualification. I think that would be a goal. But the issue with that is if you're playing four ties, eight eight legs every season, 
you're gonna mess up. You can't. You you just can't do that. You can't play. You can't go five seasons in a row playing eight games and <coughs> and not have a fuck up. It's just mm. it's gonna happen. Um, however, your point about it spending ten million a player, the issue with that is wages. Yeah. You're then we we can't raise our wage cap so high that we are spending ten million on two, three, four players in that, that club. Yeah, what you do is you, when, you, when you're thinking of buying a player, you would incorporate the, the wage as well. So if it's say the player's three million pound, it becomes a five million pound because you're two million pound wages over maybe say three or four years. So that's why it'd be you would only yeah. be buying two or three players. The other thing as well is to look at is they they should think of right. So twenty million pound. Let's make that into ten. Potentially two players at four or five million pound that you you buy them at an average a, a decent age that you're going to develop and make more money. We look at Cham, we bought him for four point five. We're looking at selling him for double figures, so you doubled your money. And it's barely you bought it at half million. Fucking hell, when you get twenty million, it's just finding the players around that are a good player but just need that next step up development wise. That we are the club to do it for them, and there's plenty of players out there in Europe that need that place. Um, and that's that's a way of it's always easier saying that than done. But again, we've got money, so why aren't we investing it in yeah. a scouting because, network that but, works? Yeah, and I think the investment off the pitch isn't being matched by the investment on it. I mean, and and that works for ambition as well. Look at the ambition that's happening off the pitch. The stadium looks the best it's ever looked. Talk about building a, a museum and a hotel and all this sort of thing. The the training facilities are as good as they've ever been. We've got a manager in who's as good as we've had in a long, long time. We've got, you know, a, a infrastructure behind the scenes that has everything that he wanted. He wanted this Lee Congerton. He wanted all these sports science people brought in. We brought yeah. them in. We've done everything other than make make sure that we had the best quality for the players that are on the pitch it's great. I, I think I think the lights are fantastic I think the idea of having the disco lights brilliant the new pitch that Brendan wanted that, that's taken two seasons to to bed in and we've spent what a couple of million on but why why are you putting that money into the pitch and then putting you know Skimping on the players that play on it, it's it's poor and there's got to be a change. Another thing as well, I was going to say, the hotel money's got to be come from somewhere for that to be built. There How is, much does it cost? It seems as if they're not willing. I'll do it. We'll do it. All right. It's just bricks, yeah. isn't it? Bricks of cement. Aye. Couple, summer job. Couple, couple of bobs. That's about the equivalent of a, so it as a gear or It seems if maybe they don't need a loan, they don't want to borrow for that. They want to have the money themselves. As a, a, in a way of just paying for it out cash you'd sometimes be smart to borrow money to you'd think no but then no could but, explain but why it's, we're not spending as much money as we should be it's the old thing you've got to speculate to accumulate sometimes but you want the, the, the riches of the Champions League you need to spend a bit to get there and and year upon year as you say about we we piss about when it comes to qualification and it's backfired this time so what did it do we shall see Listen to you, OG, and that's what they do. That's it. Um, Europa League, uh, we'll obviously get into it in a lot more detail as the games arrive, but uh, <coughs> we've had the draw. I don't believe the guys, because it was a Friday, wasn't it? And they did their lunch on the, the Thursday. The last podcast I'm talking about. Aye, yeah. Um, 
throw at our, our thoughts there. The Red Bulls and the uh, a wee change, a wee Rosenberg, just to mix it up. <laughs> I, I was a bit kind of underwhelmed by the group, to be honest. I mean, Leipzig obviously Leipzig will, will, be, will be a great tie, but um, yeah, two Red Bulls and then going back to play Rosenberg. Ugh. It's not, but I think it's a good test. The Red Bull sides will be challenging. Yeah. Um, and it, it lets us see where we are. I think Rosenberg have been improving from what I'm hearing. Um, but aye, we should we should be getting six points. We really. pumped them. Aye. Really? I mean, potentially between us and Leipzig. I think Salzburg will be tough, but we have played them before, so we know. I think it was tough actually when we played them once, isn't it? Aye. That was the boy. Who was the boy that played for them? Midfielder, and then he got he got a big move. I'm sure in the next transfer window. But he was he was absolutely brilliant against us. But he's moved on. Uh he's moved on. I can't mind his name, but he was he was very good. Fantastic insight. I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna look him up right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, was there any other questions from Twitter before we, we round this bad boy off? Oh shit, yes. Um you've called me on a wells. Um we did have a few questions such as um where do you see this is from Parcel Boy um, at the Boy Gordon? Where do you see Malumbu fitting in rotation for question mark? Um, well, when you, we lost Armstrong, a lot of people said you know he didn't play a lot, but he he did make he, he was a squad player last season. I would call Armstrong, but he did make appearances, and I think Malumbu can actually absolutely take that place and get you know we play sixty seventy games a season, so. Getting twenty thirty appearances from the bench and starts between the both of them, I think Malumbu can actually absolutely do that. Um, in Europe, having him and Brown there, a steely midfield, bossing people. Do you think that's so? Is he seen as a kind of similar player to Jam then? Kind of that box to box, kind of more uh, deeper loan line. I think he. I position. think he's. I but I don't. I don't think he's maybe. I don't think he quite dictates it the way that maybe Encham does. I think he's more of Brown's position where he he harries and presses and wins the ball back and passes it on. From what he was kind of even saying himself, um, I mean, he was brilliant against us, mind that goal. goal, But I I think it'll be interesting to see. I would like to see him... Let's rest Brown and play Malumbu. Why not? Like Brown's no got Brown. I don't think should be playing every single game anyway. Um, and surely we can. I mean, he might be the type of leader that will show the lead. You know, he might be able to show the leadership qualities as well as the actual playing the position of Brown. He's not that old, is he? Is he like thirty-one? Thirty-one. Sorry, so he's not really because 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 I think well, now that we've lost McGinn uh, and Kwasi's been told to leave, we now actually don't have a replacement for Brown anymore. We're still actually now looking oh, for him. Oh, he's still there. He's still there, but he was told that he can leave. Which is quite weird, because he was told in, towards the end of the window he could leave, but yet he appeared in the bench on Sunday. Mm. So it's kind of saying you're told to leave, but we still have a position for you in the club, which sometimes you usually tell you to leave when there's no room for you. There's no nowhere for you to be to be used, but then all of a sudden you appear on the bench. Brian McColgan says, best piece of the tran- uh, best piece of uh, transfer business? Question mark. Uh, keeping Boyata and the loan of Benkovic for me. Buys us time to find a full-time rep- replacement for Boyata with someone waiting to step in if he was to go in January. 
it's a good call. I think also just signing Eddie. Eddie is mm. an absolute phenomenon. Uh, and splashing it nine million on him, we will uh, we'll see every penny of that back when we actually do sell him. But I think we're going to see. So if he stays fit. I think he'll he'll be better than Dembele by the time he leaves. Yeah, I think he will be so. I think you have to you have to say that's the best bit because it's the it's the real bit of business that we've done. Um, although I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this Alzani's like because he comes with a lot of hype from Australia anyway. Yep. Um, not included in the Europa League squad, uh, which Seen came out that. today. Conditioning's not quite there. Uh, Chris Davis says he's not but there physically. Is yet. it not the case the Europa League is you can name your twenty-three man squad, but however, like under twenties can come in and out whenever they want. So is he, what is he? Is he nineteen? Yeah, but I don't know I, if that's. I don't was know if you have to be in the squad. There was something. The I'm sure there was somebody time, previously over the last the last year or two, maybe the last Europa League one, where somebody was left. Somebody was not named in the squad, but because of the age, they could come in and play whenever they wanted. That might have been Tierney, maybe. I, well, I, I don't know if that rule still applies maybe although that's why he's not included well, well Chris, Davis, Chris Davis said that it was his conditioning and stuff that he wasn't he wasn't ready yet so but then that that kind of made me think so they're ruling him out of the group stage games but then I take it they can register him for the knockout mm, phase if they depend. wanted ah, I think you can do it again in January ah, yeah because you can so, buy players in January and register yeah, them yeah exactly so I would imagine that's probably what will happen um, I think that's us for Twitter questions Beautiful. Uh, there was a few others, but they were shite. <laughs> so, uh, apologies if your an- question wasn't answered. According to Louis, it was shit. No, nah, there was a cracker for uh, Keelan, but he can't answer it on there. Thank you, Dresden CSC. <laughs> um, aye, that's perfect. Well, unless uh, you fellas have got anything else you want to want to inform us about, I've got one little other bit of business, but that will be us about done. No, no, done. Good stuff. No. Um, what I was going to mention is the cynical. Uh, keep your eyes open, your ears also open. Uh, Quarterly magazine, the cynical, uh, produced by the 90 Minute Cynic Squad, uh, Christian Wolf et al. Uh, doing a fantastic job, and we will hopefully see that in the very near future. But that will be that will be dropping soon. If, and if you could, um, if you could leave a review or a. a positive rating on iTunes it would um, do us a big favour certainly would get in there five stars this is a five star podcast gentlemen it is don't five piss star. about don't give us three stars we'll try and delete the review if we five, can five give star, us five free quality just don't waste our time with aye. three stars aye <laughs> that would be a bit of shit um, I thank you very much for listening uh, we will um, be not doing our usual Friday release because it's international week and international football shit I actually may ask about that but th- there we go that's that that's pish it's pish um, but good luck to Scotland well done to Scotland's women qualifying for the World Cup yes Yaldi um, and we will see you down the road I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow 
streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turn my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed By the flash of a neon light It split the night And touched the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices never share No one dare the sound of silence Fool said I you do not know Silence like a cancer grows Hear my words that I might teach you Take my arms that I might reach you But my words like silent raindrops fell Said the words of the prophets are written on the subway. 